Hello, my friends. This is Donna. Welcome to an episode called Why I Believe in Reincarnation. This is going to be part one of a two-part series about reincarnation simply because we have just too much material, too much that we want to share with you on this topic, so we're going to split it into uh, at least two parts. Reincarnation is the idea that we are each a soul that comes into a form or a body, lives a lifetime, dies, and repeats this many times over instead of just once. Reincarnation can also be the idea that we have been all things, such as rocks and trees and bugs and various animals. Reincarnation could possibly be the how to humanity's big why of existence. As in, why do we exist? And in answer to that, I would propose it is to experience, uh, to become and expand or unfold through experience and to contribute to the experience of others. So the how to this would be by living lifetimes again and again, in forms that match or grow our level of incarnated consciousness. Evolving our consciousness through experiencing, we then take on more and more complex forms. My first suspicions that reincarnation might have some truth to it began when I had strange visions that I eventually learned were memories of other lifetimes. These felt like having a dream while I was awake. And the images were very different than anything I would imagine, I would have imagined. Not things that I particularly liked or would want to see, and not that they were horrible either, just strange, odd. (laughs) Kind of in the same way that stuff that comes up in our dreams seem strange or odd. Sometimes my visions would be uh, sparked by a person, a specific person in, in my life, or a very strong feeling or emotion, or even an event. And then several years ago, when I began my almost obsessive interest in Atlantis, which, of course, I've said other times I initially thought was a pretty fairy tale, I began to have memories or waking visions crop up sometimes. But even that took a while for me to believe because I didn't connect those visions with Atlantis at first. As I was researching Atlantis, what I imagined Atlantis to be was very different than what these visions showed up. And it wasn't until later when I began working as a QHHT practitioner that I and, and really began to have understanding about past lives that I connected the two. Many of us have specific time periods of history or very specific places or even historic figures that we have a a big interest in, that we're very, very interested in or, or maybe have strong feelings about one way or another. And this often indicates ties, our ties to other lifetimes that we've lived. It was when I came across a lady named Dolores Cannon that I began to explore the idea of reincarnation in greater depth. Dolores Cannon was a hypnotherapist that developed her own method of past life regression 
after several years of hypnotizing people alongside her Navy officer husband. He learned, originally learned um, hypnotism for things like weight loss or to quit smoking, such as it was used back in the 1940s. And the two of them together, attempting to get information about a client's early childhood, accidentally regressed her to a previous lifetime. And the book Five Lives Remembered is the first of 19 books that Dolores Cannon has written chronicling her thousands and thousands of clients' experiences visiting other lifetimes. The movie Interstellar was actually inspired by her work. So as I read her books, I began to marvel how all of the information that came through so many clients from all over the world over a span of 45 to 50 years agreed, fitting together like pieces to a giant puzzle. And even more, I realized the information also agreed with what I had been finding through studying ancient texts and research books of all kinds and ancient poets and mystics and even modern spiritual teachers. So then I wanted to experience this regressive hypnotherapy for myself. It is called QHHT, uh, which stands for Quantum Healing Hypnosis Technique, and Diana and I decided to train under Dolores Cannon. I have received quite a few sessions exploring previous lifetimes, and I now give sessions as a QHHT practitioner and have come to believe that it is one of the most practical and effective forms of therapy that I have experienced. In the Healing Journey episode, I talk about many other forms of therapy and healing that I have used. And in part two of this episode, I will explain some of the physical science that allows us to access other lifetimes through QHHT. Let's get back to reincarnation. Reincarnation was common knowledge in ancient history. Ancient history in the times of, for instance, Atlantis and Lemuria and Mu and some of the uh, so-called lost civilizations and cultures. And then came the fall, by which I mean the gradual restructuring of human DNA that changed our level of consciousness, humanity's level of consciousness at large, and shut down our senses that actually had connected us to the spirit worlds. Reincarnation then became part of the mysteries or the secrets known to a few Indigenous peoples all tell stories of reincarnation in some form. Shamanism, uh, Druidism, the Mayans, the Norse, the Greeks, the Gnostics, ancient Judaism, and most of the many Eastern religions taught reincarnation. As humanity lost more and more of its history and ancient knowledge, modern religions denied reincarnation. And this was for purposes of control. Imagine if you could convince people that they only have one chance, one lifetime to get it right, one shot at experiencing life, and you're stuck with what you get, even if it's pretty horrible. So deal with it. (laughs) And too bad if others have easy, abundant, or safe lives. It's just the luck of the draw. And by the way, lots of people only have a few years or even less than a year of this one chance to live. Imagine the fear of death 
that that would create. The grief and the terror and the resentment against whoever set up such an unfair and an unforgiving system. Jose Stevens talks about how this denial of reincarnation by religions has impacted the long-lasting oppression and abuse of women and the current backlash against men. This excerpt is taken from his Upgrading Women and Men series, Article 3, available at thepowerpath.com. Since, in my view, all men have been and will be women over their lifetimes, and all women have been and will be men, you can see that in the end, we all get quite an education. If we as a human race could just get and accept this one metaphysical truth, can you imagine how it would change the world? It would change everything about male and female relationships. You better believe it would immediately correct a lot of bad behavior, and it would instantly manifest in honor and respect both ways. The masculine and feminine would truly be equal, and their differences would be honored. It is extremely unfortunate that the vast majority of traditional religions fight this truth tooth and nail. We can lay this huge disconnect right at their feet. Rather than unifying the planet, unbeknownst to them, they are directly responsible for promoting massive suffering, disconnection, rape, murder, and mayhem. Paradoxically, these are the very very religions that purport to teach love, peace, and cooperation. I am in no way calling here for the eradication of religion, only for massive reform. Religion is a powerful social glue that can help people feel connected and help them get their values straight, if the approach is right. Religion is not going to change on its own. The people will change, and then religion will follow, just like with government. End quote. As with all of humanity's quote-unquote lost knowledge, we needed to be in the dark for a while. It's something that I've come to see looking from a larger perspective. Losing our truths and denying our history was no accident. The bigger useful reason behind losing the belief of reincarnation was to offer different viewpoints, more possibilities, and therefore provide us with more and different lessons. But now it is time for our knowledge to return to us. The lessons from the Dark Ages have been learned, and humanity is ready to transition to the next level of using this returning knowledge. This is what we have been told time and again over the last about 30 plus years via a lot of different channels and uh, uh, QHHT sessions, and it's been prophesied in ancient um, written materials that the time would come when the darkness would end and humanity would, in fact, need their knowledge back. QHHT is one of the ways that we can access truth about our history instead of relying only on what's been written and filtered through a very specific or sometimes narrow perspective. History is useful because it can help us relearn concepts that will create a better world and not repeat our past disastrous mistakes. So exploration of reincarnation has been very, very interesting for me, but more importantly, it has helped me in a healing capacity. 
many conditions and problems and uh, blocks or obstacles and fears in this life can actually be traced to other lifetimes. When there are vows or contracts made in another lifetime, when there are very strong beliefs or unforgiven offenses or traumatic experiences, this and much more becomes unfinished business from a lifetime, and that can sort of cling to us in the next one. If it's something that still needs to be worked out, if it's something that we have not yet learned the lesson from, it will sometimes follow us or come up again for us in another lifetime. In Emmanuel's books, Emmanuel explains that we take nothing but the love home with us when we die, when we exit a lifetime. But we do use these injuries, these traumas from our lifetimes as what he describes as the most direct route back into the illusion. I see our lifetimes as brief chapters in our own personal soul saga or our own little book of humanity. When we are not incarnated, the book is just a collection of experiences that we actually delight in and study on the other side. But from within the unfolding stories, while we are incarnated, we experience not only the current chapter, but the sum of the preceding chapters. Perhaps the soul reuses our wounds and tragedies to learn from, no matter which lifetime they happened in. Events from other lifetimes can manifest physically, actually, in birthmarks and deformities and disease, or in inexplicable fears, or as I mentioned earlier, strong preferences or even unusual talents. Being inexplicably drawn to a certain people or cultures or countries or vocations or religions become clear exploring other lifetimes. When we can't seem to understand or relate to a problem, whether it's physical or mental or emotional in this lifetime, it can be helpful to look at other lifetimes. And finding and healing, healing through awareness and understanding or learning the lesson, forgiving and releasing, the root of a distortion in life can happen just as easily across lifetimes as it does within a current life. So who plans out our lives? Well, we do. With help from guides and counselors on the other side, we, our soul, examines the life that we've just finished, and we integrate the learnings and we decide what our next step or lesson is going to be. And apparently, it's not all that difficult to figure out the next steps because our soul energy makes it very clear what quote-unquote level we're at. It seems to be as energetically apparent to the counselors and guides on the other side as, say, our physical height is here. The intricate part of the planning is making sure everything lines up to create the personality that we want, which involves things like the astrological alignments that we're born into, the genetics of the parents we choose, as well as the culture and the religion and so on. We take great care in determining every detail of who we are going to be born as. 
And then, of course, there's contracts to honor and tasks to complete and conditions to create so that we can learn specific lessons and experience very specific things. Now, of course, plenty goes awry during the actual lifetime, just like a stage role that is scripted down to the letter, but then stuff happens and a certain amount of improvisation might have to occur. As souls on the other side, though, we leave no detail unplanned in the planning stages. And then there are plenty of course corrections that have to happen in the actual life due to the fact that we, of course, forget that there is a plan or even who we really are once we incarnate. If there is something that we didn't complete or learn from previous lifetimes, we might incorporate another attempt into the next lifetime that we're planning. And often this means that we incarnate with the same people again and again until we achieve the goals that we set or um, complete the contracts that we have set. And I talk more about this in the episode called Our Soul Family. There are huge and beautiful halls of learning on the other side where we go to prepare for lifetimes. If we're going to need some new knowledge, or maybe we decide to do a specific field of work in a life, we will then research or study up on the subjects that we'll need to know. Even though we we pass through the veil of forgetting when we incarnate, uh, subconsciously, we come in with certain types of knowledge that will support what we have planned for the life. So we subconsciously retain all of our knowledge from every lifetime, and our soul links us to the other side. Parts of this subconscious memory is what we might label intuition or talent sometimes. We might say something resonates with us, And what we're really doing is remembering or moving the knowledge from our subconscious to our conscious mind. It is said that our souls are absolutely sure that we will remember who we are and why we came this time, (laughs) every time that we come back in, incarnating into a life. Our enthusiasm and joy for experiencing and learning knows no bounds from the soul side. Incarnating into lifetimes is a joyful, exciting experience, such as when we decide to go visit a foreign country during our life, and we plan for it, and we prepare for it, and we study for it, and we get there and things sometimes go awry, yes? (laughs) And we have to figure stuff out. There might even be some suffering involved during those trips. But ultimately, when we come back, we will have grown. We will have changed in some way. We will have learned. That is a microcosm example of this whole idea, macrocosm, of living many lifetimes. And just like we will plan more and more foreign trips, more and more visiting other places in the world and other peoples in the world and having other experiences in the world. Um, And that brings us great joy and fulfillment. It's the same way from the perspective of the other side that our lifetimes, even though while we're inside of them, they seem to be hard at times. We kind of forget that. (laughs) And we come back again and again and again. So QHHT provides direct access between our subconscious, where everything is stored, and our conscious, 
mind, which is the limited mind or the ego mind. There are other methods of accessing previous or other lifetimes via psychics or deep meditation or even dreams. I focus on QHHT methods because that is the bulk of my experience. Reincarnation became part of my truth once I experienced visiting or remembering other lifetimes. And all of my denials and my logic and my explanations of why it can't be true were met with these actual and repeated experiences that I could no longer explain away. As a balance to all that I have said so far in this episode, I do want to talk a little bit about how important it is that we live this life, (laughs) that we focus on this life because that is what we're here to do. It can be easy, and I have seen people who have gotten so caught up in this idea of past lifetimes in exploring them, in satisfying curiosity (laughs) and the fun of it, that then it can begin to interfere with this current life that they came to live. So I would like to share with you a quote from Emmanuel's book three that addresses this because he says it way better than I could. Past lives hold a mystical fascination. But do they serve the experiences of this lifetime? Not really. They satisfy curiosity and they give you hope. For if you touch a memory of a past life, you know you have lived before, and so it is reasonable that you will live again. At times, such memories explain the presence of deeply ingrained habits. If you are to be free to live fully, I would strongly suggest that you not only release the power that you believe a past life holds, but that you begin to sever relationships most lovingly with your most recent past in this life. Freedom comes from self-love and self-acceptance. Where in your experience now you find you are unwilling to grant yourself these fundamental rights, then certainly past history can shed light on the root of the false belief that bars you from your own heart. Knowledge of past lives can be useful only insofar as it illuminates this moment. History seems to call you back in time, and you remain there. You live your life now saying, but I was an abused child. Yes, perhaps 40 years ago you were. That does not mean to minimize the suffering, but neither does it call you to make a holy temple of it. The soul is wise. It chose the labyrinthian pathways that would bring you to this moment. You would not be who you are now if you had not lived what you had lived then. End quote. That is what I have to share with you for part one of Reincarnation. Additional resources today are Dr. Brian Weiss's research in books and experiences. Weiss is spelled W-E-I-S-S, Brian, B-R-I-A-N. And if you just begin to look up what all, he's got a lot of stuff out there on reincarnation, a lot of research, a lot of books, and a lot of experiences to share. 
Ian Stevenson and Dr. Jim Tucker at the Division of Perceptual Studies at the University of Virginia School of Medicine have some books and research out as well. Dr. Tucker's book, Life Before Life, Children's Memories of Previous Lives, actually chronicles some of the work that they have done with collecting uh, uh, accounts of children who consciously remember past lives. And, And they get these from children and from families all over the world. And then they follow up on them. They go there and they talk to the child and they talk to the family. And then they go to the places the child remembers. And they go and talk to the people that the child remembers. And they basically follow up on every shred of memory that this child has from another lifetime and verify and so many, most of the time, of course, all the, all the episodes in the books that they share, you know, end up that they can verify that that child was the person that they remember being. It's fascinating. Um, really, really interesting book. And then Colonel James Churchward has a lecture that is available online that touches on Jesus's views on reincarnation. There is quite a body of evidence that Jesus spent time in India, as well as many other countries and other continents even. And Colonel James Churchward has had access to some of the old clay tablets and other forms of ancient texts in India. And he talks about a little bit in this lecture, he touches on Jesus's views on reincarnation. So if you just look up Colonel James Churchward 1931 lecture, you'll find that it'll pop up. And there's a lot of stuff that's covered in this lecture. The part that I specifically am referring to here is, is what relates to Jesus's views on reincarnation. That is it for today, my friends. Thank you so much for your time. As always, if you want to connect with us, please visit our author website at ddadair.com and ask any questions that you have or leave comments and sign up to receive an email notification for when we release our Atlantis book series later this year. Blessings on each one of you and blessings on your day.